Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars, and it is Wild Turkey Revival. My people, this is where you pull out your checkbook. I will tell you the price in just a moment. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy, great to be with you. This is, as I said, Wild Turkey Revival, 101 proof. Ah, fingers approves. He approves, I tell you. 75% corn on the mash bill, 13% rye, 12% malted barley. Remember, to be a bourbon, it has to be 51% corn. It has to be aged in a first-use American charred oak barrel. And the only way to change things is with water, and that's only to change the proof. Those are the rules. Bourbon is not necessarily from Kentucky. That's not the way it works. This is beautiful. Like, this is one of those where even the bottle presentation is just absolutely beautiful. I just want to want to grab the bottle fingers while you take a, a sniff, because this is called Master's Keep, and it is finished in it. What is that? An Oloroso sherry cask. That's going to certainly add a touch of sweet. Take the nose there, Fingers Malloy. What are you feeling? Where are you at with this? Gosh, you know, I feel like lately I've I've been leaning on sugar cookie, and I don't know why. Yeah, because you're not you're not you don't have that right. <laughs> uh, is that what it is? Um, a, little, a little bit of well, no. I mean, you do have definitely a sweetness. You have, I, I think, ca- caramel is what people get get used to. A little bit of toffee, a little bit of uh, kind of fruit going on. Now, whether that's a dark fruit or not, that's, that's up to you, right? So you, you've got sometimes bright fruits, which are almost florals, and then you have dark fruits, the plums, the cherries, things like that. And by the way, your nose, your palate might be completely different. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Finger's word for it. you got to take your word for it and check it out. It did hit, at the first, a bit medicinal. At the very first... That's gone away. It doesn't smell like uh, an 80-proof bourbon, that's for sure. No, no, no. This has got a little more heat to it. But it was just just last week we were doing the Jack Daniels single-barrel barrel proof, 130.6 proof, <laughs> and that thing was lovely. Yes. That thing was lovely. Now, the color on this is wonderfully dark, wonderfully delicious, almost in a mahogany uh, kind of flavor. It does, if, if you swish it around the glass a little bit, it'll coat ever so slightly. It's not syrupy. In, in any way. It'll coat ever so, so slightly. You ready to do this? Oh, absolutely. We do it neat. We always do it neat, which means no ice, right? There's no cubes in here, no water in here. We just do it from the bottle to the glass. Then we figure out whether we want to put it on a big cube, whether we want to do a chip, something like that. You ready? The, all I know is we're, we're here when we record. We record on site. I don't know if people know this. So we're at, a, we're at different cigar lounges. We're at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis. And Brian, the bartender, is making sure we do this right. He somehow oh. has no faith in us <laughs> to do this, to do the Wild Turkey Revival. I'll tell you why in a second. You ready? Fingers Malloy? He's taking the sip. He's going in for it right there. Let's see. What do you got, Fingers? Talk to me. Okay. It's very pleasant. Very warm. No sting at all maybe on the back of the tongue cherry um and vanilla i'm getting off of uh, the on on the palate what are, what are you getting well first I've, i'm on my second sip mm-hmm. i've really come to believe and understand that you got to take the sip let it do to the taste buds let it do to those nerve endings what it will then bring about the second sip, kind of play that around, because at that moment, you're a little bit more ready to receive. And I think the vanilla is absolutely wonderful. I think that is, that is spot on. Is it cherry? 
Well, again, I go back to the idea of dark fruit. I don't know if I can pick it up, Cherry, but it does have a certain hit of sweet in in the middle of, of the throat. So first, there's a very slight sting, if any, on the tip of the tongue. Nothing towards the top of the throat. When it hits uh, the, the, the chest, about mid-chest, you'll feel a little bit of heat, but there is no burn, there is no pain. So don't think that at 101 proof, you're going to have yourself much of a problem. It isn't overwhelming me, but it is big. There are some, the, the flavors are prominent. You're not searching hard for that vanilla. You're not searching hard, I think, for that, that grape. That's what I'm getting. And it's not uh, overwhelming you either. No, right? not at all. Mm-mm. It's very pleasant. And uh, I, yeah, no cube for me. I'm going to go with just a touch of water, a touch of chilled water. It's all I'm doing. Are you getting slight Boom. medicinal? Nope. Not at all. On the nose, yes. So medicinal is when you open a bottle of medicine, right? When you open a cough syrup or something like that. Is that, is, is, is that what you're getting? Um, no, I don't get medicinal on that at all. What do you, you have for dinner? No. Wait, what, what convenience store or vending machine were you at? I had a triple cheeseburger with no onions, uh, a large fry, and an M&M McFlurry um, for dinner today. So I'm on a diet. What? Yeah. Dude. I, 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 I'm telling you. I, how? Because I'm a weak, weak man. Weren't Tell you me. like doing Atkins just yesterday? Yeah, and I lost like 10 pounds by dumping carbs, and now I, I'll gain eight carbs back. Or eight you know, back in, in this relationship, meal. you're the Oprah and I'm the Gale. Right, I understand Just that. on the weight side. I understand I'm just that. fine. I'm good. I'm leaving it alone. That's that's Yeah, that might have... A little bit of effect on your palate, but I am not getting a medicinal at at, at all. I'll tell you the second sip I, I I just had. I'm getting the oak too. Are you are you are you getting any oak? I find that flavors like that are ever present, and so I maybe I, I miss them, and I and I think I should go back over them. I hit vanilla well. I hit grape well. It has I think a very very easy balance overall. And I just put some water in, kind of open it up a little bit. So the cube melted a little, and that's what, that's what I poured in. I'm going to try that. Oh, now I'm happy. Yeah. Now I'm happy. Opened up just a touch. It is more vanilla. There is more fruit going on there. This does not need a cube. Again, you, as you throw it on a cube. Exactly. This does not need it. Oh, no, 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 no. Now the question is, is it in your humidor? Fingers Malloy. This is the Wild Turkey Revival. It is $150. Fingers Malloy. <laughs> is this in your humidor? Well, not sorry, I mean in your liquor cabinet. No, it's not in my liquor cabinet or my humidor at $150. Look, it's it's very good. Uh, and if someone were to say, hey, I want to uh, uh, buy you some bourbon, how about some Wild Turkey Revival? Absolutely pour me a glass. But, man, that $150, that, that, that hits you in the wallet in ways I, I could get five bottles of stuff that I that I enjoy for the price of this. So I, I have to say no. I mean this is aged at least at least ten years. Different people will tell you ten and sometimes twelve to fifteen years. Um I gotta tell you I, for somebody who enjoys bourbon, I think this might actually be worth the money. Um I think that they may have stumbled upon something here rather good because you there are many times where you can get, find something that has a couple of notes and it's really focused on those notes this does a wonderful job 
of blending those notes together. Yeah. Right? The vanilla is there. The grape, for me, is, is there. More of that, that mixed fruit. I don't have to search hard for them. But it's not, make, it's not making me, you know, regret the work. Right? right? Sometimes you want to figure out what that flavor is. This is letting you know, but it's not like, you know, single tone or something like that. There's a lot. There's a lot happening here. The Wild Turkey Revival. I'm looking forward to how this kind of opens up as we go on through. Make sure to find us on Facebook, Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Twitter, Go Eat, Drink, Smoke. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. You want to watch a football game in person? You're going to wear a mask. Oh, for all I know, you watch at your home. You're going to have to wear a mask pretty soon. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy on Facebook, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Be sure to like the page. NFL already saying, you want to you wanna play? Uh, you want to come to a game? That's fine. You are going to wear a mask. We've got the basketball season that's about to start, but they're all in the bubble down there in Florida. So these things are going on. That's how they're going to do it. They're going to take the TV contract and run. An interesting thing, the president, Donald Trump, announcing uh, this week, no Jacksonville. Of course, they were going to split half of the of the convention, the Republican National Convention, away from Charlotte and have it in Jacksonville because they still want to have the big event. And now he's like, you know, now's not the right time to do that kind of thing. Now, if Listen, I, I don't want to get hyper-political here, but they had, just last week, Fingers Malloy, a change in their campaign manager. A guy by the name of Brad Parscale out, and a guy by the name of Bill Stepien in. And it seems pretty obvious, even to the most casual observer, that this is the new guy making changes to try and make Trump seem much more agreeable to the idea, oh, wearing masks, and oh, we're not going to take that kind of, uh, of, of risk. This is the kinder, gentler Trump in this regard. Yeah. Right? And then you're seeing the, the daily briefing is back. It is back. That's right. They're doing the daily briefing on, on coronavirus and letting everybody know and giving him a chance to talk and, and you know, engage that kind of leadership take that, you know, I guess politically he should be taking, but we'll get into that. No, no. The big sports story is that Roy Jones Jr., is going to fight Mike Tyson because it turns out it's actually 1988, right? This is crazy. So former undisputed heavyweight champion Mike Tyson is making a comeback. Tyson, how old do you think Tyson is now at this point? 146. <laughs> Tyson, uh, who at one point fought Joe Lewis, uh, is 54 years old. He will fight Roy Jones Jr. Jr. in an eight-round exhibition on September 12th at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. And, yeah. And, wait, in Cal- are, are they going to even be able to do anything in September in California? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's for them uh, to figure out. But let's put that to the side. I mean, there's not going to be a crowd. It's going to be a pay-per-view kind of thing. Tyson is 52? 54. 54. How old is Roy Jones Jr.? The article does not say. Because I, I always liked Roy Jones Jr. As, as, as a fighter. Are you going to watch this thing? Jones is 51. Really? I would have thought he's a, a touch older. Are you going to watch? No. No, There's I've not got a no chance. Well, here's the deal. I mean, when it comes to boxing, don't you feel like uh, MMA has kind of surpassed boxing? In, in my a big world, way? yes. Unquestionable. So the, the names aren't what they used to be in boxing. You know, growing up in the 80s, the, you know, the middleweights were, were big. You had uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and, and uh, Sugar, well, Sugar Ray, Ray Leonard, Leonard and right? Tommy Hearns and 
you know, of course, you know, Evander Holyfield, oh, you can go through oh the list. Oh, my goodness. Lennox and, Lewis. And I'm not saying there aren't names now, but the, it just doesn't feel the same as it did, you know, back 20, 30 years ago. And now you've got MMA. That's See, I'm old. Over. I am old enough, and I don't want to age myself, to remember Ray Boom Boom Rancini against uh, Daku Kim, a fight that killed Daku Kim. It was, yeah. it was awful. Just absolute madness. So are you going to watch it? No, because I, I, I have real issues with watching Tyson. I yeah. really and truly do. You know, it, it, hard for me to, you know, I, I like second chances in America. I like people who, who come back. I like that whole Phoenix concept, that whole rising concept. Uh, that guy got convicted for rape. Yeah. I, got, I have issues with with trying to with being supportive of that I'm stunned that in all of the in the entirety of like the Me Too world he got the comeback right like that's a that's a weird thing someone should do a, a study on how that even even happened um, boxing has made a unique kind of comeback you are seeing a little bit more of it and I think boxing is an incredible sport and incre- the sweet science right I, I he's no longer alive I don't think he's alive anymore. But I could listen to guys like Freddie Pacheco, the fight doctor, all day back in, in, in the day. I just I, w- I would rather watch an MMA fight of almost any kind. Yeah. Um, and I can't bring myself to be a part of that. But I think the kitsch, I think the only reason it's happening is because of the world that we're in right now in this shutdown world and the kitsch of everything. Speaking of the shutdown world, came across a recipe I needed to try, so I made it. I actually did the cooking fingers, Malloy. Oh. This is the whiskey bacon onion chutney. What's a chutney? Well, I am so glad uh, that you uh, asked. A spicy or savory condiment originating in India. And I didn't read that off of the website masterclass.com at all. <laughs> um, so the best way I would describe it is all of these things for me fit in the world of jams. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's just it, everything when you don't know how to categorize it. Right? So a jam is fruit and sugar that's boiled into a thick consistency. Well, this wasn't fruit, but this is a half a cup of whiskey. Nice. And this is a half a cup of brown sugar. And, you know, you got, so that, that boiling together is going to get thick in and of itself. There's onions. There's garlic. There's a pound of bacon in there. There is a teaspoon of thyme as well, which gives this wonderful... Uh, fragrance to it. So to me, it all fits in that category. So we, we toasted up some pita bread. I wish I had like, like real crostini or something like that. And, and here it is. And, and oh, it, it, got, it got chilly and it kind of, oh, it kind of rendered up right there. You would want to serve this warm, but I, th- I think we're going to have to do it this way. Oh, oh, you could just see where the bacon fat is and everything else. It's uh, so good. Wait, what did you have for lunch today? Yeah, the McFlurry, this yeah. is fine for you. You know what? I got to heat this up. I didn't even think about that. It should be served warm, but I'm doing it. You ready? Let's go. Here it is. So you take a chutney like this, and you put it on a burger. You take a chutney like this, and you use it as a side to a steak. Maybe a non-perfect cut in your world. And you utilize that to kind of give it the flavor. It has a wonderful brightness. It's got a sweetness that comes in later, even though it's a half a cup of brown sugar. Now, I tried this a couple different ways. You got to do it with full-fat bacon. can't do it with turkey bacon or anything like that. You need that fat to be able to bring things together. 
You can't use a sugar substitute. You got to hit it exactly the way it is. You seem surprised that you like the flavors here. No, I'm not surprised. I, it's just different than what I was expecting, and I, I do like it on the pita bread. I would be very interested to put that on a burger. Right. I think that would be fantastic. With nothing else, you know, m- maybe some cheese on the bottom and then that on top um, and then with the bun and then nothing else. I think mm-hmm. that that would really play well together. I would just, I, I would I would think with this you got to go a little bit more with a, with a bigger cheese, maybe a cheddar, not necessarily an American. I find I'm using Havarti for everything under the sun. My love of Havarti grows and grows. So this right here is uh, from the southern.com. That's where I got the recipe. The whiskey bacon onion chutney. It was easy. It was uh, 15 minutes in, 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 in the prep. It was 10 minutes and 15 minutes in the cooking, and it was 15 minutes in the cool down. You can do this. You can absolutely do this where you are. This is the Whiskey Bacon Onion Chutney. Look for it on our Facebook page, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Be right back. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your food, bourbon, cigar, radio show. You can get the podcast in case you miss anything at Apple Podcasts. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Write a review. Leave a five-star review. We're doing the Wild Turkey Revival at 101 Proof. I enjoy every bit of it. At $150 a bottle, it is not for fingers. (laughs) I could possibly be convinced, and our bellies are full, of the whiskey, bacon, onion, chutney. And that recipe is on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eat, drink, smoke. It is time, Fingers Malloy, for News of the Week. Do we have a theme yet? (laughs) I sing like an angel. Uh, The Republican... The Republican governors of Indiana and Ohio on Wednesday announced statewide mask mandates. Why do you hurt me? I'm leading with the news. Why do you hurt me? Uh, the, 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 the top news of the week. The week. Mas- <laughs> statewide mask mandates a day after President Donald Trump threw his support behind facial coverings as a tactic to stop the spread of coronavirus. Look, I, man, I, I, I hate to do this to everybody. I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a mask. I don't think a science is full and complete on what it does regarding coronavirus, COVID-19. But am I supposed to deny that wearing a mask stops something from spreading? Right? Of course it's going to stop something. There's a reason those doctors wear them. They're not wearing them for the fashion statement. Um, but what the, what the, the idea of a mandate, now we're getting into touchy territory. Because, and follow me here. Mandates are not laws, right? To tell somebody they have to do something, they have to wear something, I got real issues. I got real issues with that, and and I I can't I can't play along that somehow that that's normal. I, I find it a massive affront, to be honest. Well, especially when it doesn't go through the process of you know to me. It, it, there's no check and balance here. It's just a governor just decides that he's going to have a mandate or she's going to have a mandate, and that's the way it is. There's right. no check and balance at all. And it's all over the spectrum. you got Republicans. Uh, you know, you talk about Indiana and Ohio. So Indiana, it's Eric Holcomb. The governor of Ohio is Mike DeWine. You go down to Alabama, it's Kay Ivey. And then you have, you have plenty of Democrats who are doing this mask mandate as well. So that's not it, right? It's, it's a bigger question of people, of Americans. Where are they on mandates? Because mandates are not laws, right? Mm-hmm. If, if your General Assembly, if your state legislature gets together and your representative votes for something, well, then you've got a recourse. 
what's your recourse here? And I, I don't know if people think of it in the way that I do or in the way that you do. You know, that there's, there's a story underneath the story. And it isn't, I'm not anti-mask. I'm really fine with masks. I, I think that though, like, like I am, I'm fine with masks. Are, do you have an issue with oh, masks? Oh no, I wear masks whenever I go to go grocery shopping and things because it makes, I've talked to clerks and stores and it makes them feel safer. And I feel like that's the least I can do, especially when you have a lot of these clerks have been going to work every day while other people have been sitting home making more money. One of the, a group of unsung heroes that we don't talk about is the guy who is restocking the shelf and the woman who is working in the bakery at your local supermarket. They keep showing up. They keep doing the work. They deserve that, that respect. So uh, that's a fine reason to, to wear a mask. To, to the extent that they stop coronavirus, I would have absolutely no idea because I don't think there's a scientist uh, that, that knows. I think that mandates are problematic because it goes to the idea of, well, what are my rights? And if you say to me, well, it's a pandemic, I'll say to you, I'll agree. But, you know, there's nothing in the Constitution that says all of this is, is enforced unless there's a pandemic, in which case, screw it, don't worry, <laughs> just run around, set your hair on fire, panic, and then when everything's cool, come back to us. Well, and that's one of the things that's um, been brought up is more than half of U.S. states now have mask mandates in place. Uh, top health officials are pleading for universal mask wearing uh, amid uh, a rise in coronavirus cases and deaths. So you're seeing people wanting a national mask mandate. Yeah, I'm not down. Oh, I mean, one, this one size fits all mentality. When you've got rural areas and people you know, where the, the virus has not spread, you're going to force those people to wear masks as if they're living in Manhattan. It doesn't make any sense. So it wasn't me who said this. And I will tell you, I'm sorry I didn't say it first. Uh, I forget where it was published. If the epicenter of COVID was Billings, Montana, the country wouldn't be doing this. The country would not be this insane. It would still be insidious. There would still be conversations. You would still be kind of lost on the science. And I get that doctors are, although I love that. The, the, the federal government signed a $2 billion contract, $2 billion contract with Pfizer, the drug manufacturer, for a vaccine, and there's a group at Oxford that thinks that they're close, so I'm thrilled. The one thing that's been kind of refreshing is that, take out what we weren't told about coronavirus from the beginning, the labs, the actual scientists, they're all clearly working together. Getting this thing solved seems to be a serious focus for a, for a lot of people, and I, 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 I feel somehow refreshed by that, right? Because it's so much negativity. Right. So often, like finally, something something good and 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 and, and uplift uh, from from that. But if this was focused in Billings and not the media capital of the world, right? I think we'd have a much different take on how we deal with with coronavirus and how we feel about coronavirus. And we wouldn't be in this idea of oh, we got to bring back uh, the lockdowns, which California has done. There are cities uh, that ha- that have uh, done this. Um, Indianapolis, where we live, just as okay. Sorry, bars. Sorry, you have to shut down. The newspapers get to stay open. The television <laughs> stations get to stay open. The consultants still get to make their money. The politicos all still get paid. The bars. Oh, and by the way, that includes where we're sitting right now. We don't know whether we can do the show from here next week. Well, and the other thing, too, you know, as <clears throat> this whole thing has unfolded, it's been a mystery to me how they're coming up with these policies. Okay, if you're a bar, you need to stay shut unless you serve food. And if you serve some food, then you can stay open, but you can only be at, oh, let's say, uh, 50% capacity. 
barbershops need to close, uh, but manicurists can stay up. The whole thing is just crazy as far as there, there, there's no way to pinpoint any kind of consistency at all. It's just like it just feels like they're just throwing things at the wall to see if it sticks. And that's, I think that's the way a lot of people feel. And the answer to everything is, if the answer to everything is we need, you know, this entity to save us, I don't know. I don't know if that's where America is, right? And when the answer to saving us is always, well, we have to shut down, that's 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 not saving us. That's really where it should be, right? It's one thing to say, hey, we need we need good, smart, competent leadership. But if the answer is shut down, but only certain people shut down, um, uh, right? Exactly. exactly where we are. Next. 40-year-old Andrew Marnell of Los Angeles has been accused of submitting fraudulent loan applications to obtain $9 million in Paycheck Protection Program funds. He used the money, Tony, to trade on the stock market as well as gamble his way through Las Vegas at the Bellagio and at least two other strip casinos. I hope he gets a million years in jail. I hope he gets a million years in jail and every day he's punched in the face. (laughs) Scumbaggery, man. Scumbaggery right there. Stealing from people who who actually need it. Stealing and and then and then wait, where where did he he the Bellagio? Uh, the, the Bellagio and at least two other strip casinos and he was trading stocks. Buy, sell, sell, buy, which you know some people feel like at this point. We we've talked about it previously. People when they couldn't go to the casinos, they were they were betting on the stock market. They were jumping in. They're oh, just, yeah. Oh, people were day trading like it was their job. <laughs> they needed that fix so incredibly bad. The guy from Barstool, David Portnoy, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of leading a charge uh, uh, on the day traders. I don't day trade. I have no faith in myself to do that whatsoever. I want this guy to get a million years in jail. A million years. One more story. Alex Trebek, God bless him, uh, the beloved host of Jeopardy. He's been doing it for 36 years, celebrated his 80th birthday this week. And still fighting pancreatic cancer. The guy is unbelievable. The guy is unbelievable. Happy birthday uh, to him. He doesn't look like he's even slowing down. No, and what's what's he's an inspiration to everyone who has either had family members who have been battling cancer or who are battling cancer right now. Yeah, I, I if everybody's story could go as well as his, that would be amazing. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Social media is a disease, and got to tell you that watching how people have been acting and reacting lately, it's just the worst. Eat, drink, smoke. So good to be with you. Tony Katz and Fingers Malloy. Follow us on Facebook. <laughs> uh, right? I, I know I'm a hypocrite. I know I am the worst hypocrite when I say go to Facebook, eat, drink, smoke, no, you're and not, like though. the page. Because we're not getting crazy, at least. Well, no, here's the deal. I mean, you're a content provider. You've got radio shows. You want people to be able to find what you're doing. I got to tell you, Tony, if I were if I if I wasn't doing this show, if I didn't do the other shows that I do, if I didn't write from time to time, I don't know if I would be on Twitter anymore or Facebook. There is a weird thing going on. And we were kind of talking about it during the break. And I I think it's selective social media. So because of what I do. Right. So I've got a morning show in Indianapolis. I have a nationally syndicated midday radio show. We do this. You know, we do. TV and, and some other things. You've got a radio show in Michigan, other podcasts. 
I don't allow my children on social media at all. Mm-hmm. They have zero social media. I simply don't uh, uh, allow it. It is one of the few things where I know I've done my children right. Right. 150%. And one of your kids deleted their own account yeah. on, on, on Instagram, yeah, right? She was big into Instagram, loves Instagram. And listen, I got to admit, I like Instagram too. Instagram to me is what Twitter used to be five years ago. It's fun. Um, Twitter has just become very angry. It's toxic. Yeah, I don't even think you remember Twitter properly five years ago. <laughs> it, just, it was it was a, a mess. But it feels worse now than it was five years ago. Because what people desire is something that doesn't fit into a lifestyle. If the purpose of social media is to be able to share content, engage conversation, great. If the purpose of social media is to attack you for a spelling error, call you a Nazi, or see if they can like one-up you when you say, okay, I'm done here, and they're like, I guess I win. There's a prize? Right. Does someone get a cookie? It's, it's criminally awful. And what it does, and this is what we were talking about, how much it sucks you in and how much better off you are not to allow it to have that kind of effect in your life. And so when I say selective, I think that what's going to be selective is not so much the platforms. What we're going to start getting really selective in is the people. Now, you could argue that that leads to confirmation bias, Mm -hmm. which is what you see. Tribalism is sometimes how it's referred to. People go to what they already like and know to hear more of what they like and know. What if it ends up going to people who aren't treating you like crap? What You can decide what the selective is, right? There are plenty of people who I might disagree with, but I don't find them disagreeable or objectionable or any of those things. I actually find them nice and lovely and, 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 and fine, and some of them are friends, and some of them I don't know at all. But, but holy heck, the, the selective part is not being around people who simply want to hurt you. What they want to do is hurt you. What they want to do is somehow feel better about themselves through it. One of the reasons I love a cigar lounge, I, I love it, love it, love it, love it, is that you are not around people like that. Right. That The, the, the people at the cigar lounge are just there to kick back and relax and, and share a story and engage. I've talked more about parenting at a cigar lounge uh, than I ever have on social media. Yeah. Right? So I'm very curious. And you think, you're saying that you think the election is going to be the, like, like that's when things might turn. Well, I think what's going to happen is you're seeing a lot of people staying silent on social media, just watching what's happening and saying, listen, it's not worth it for me to voice my political opinion on social media. They're just going to go to the voting booth and they're going to voice their opinion that way. Uh, you, you know, we were, you, you brought up my daughter. She deleted Instagram. She still has the account, but she deleted it off her deleted it off her phone because social media is such a time suck. I know with me, I go Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Right. Now, as people move away, like you said, and, and go into their own bubbles, what will happen? Is is that a good thing? You see, Parler is a new Twitter like. App that people yeah, but they're trying to, to use Parler as a way. If you're on the political right, you use Parler. Right. If you're on the political left, you use Twitter. I don't. I don't know. Uh, if we, is, it, is it good though that people seem to be going into their own little bubbles? As a matter of business, I'm on both. But no, 
it, I don't have any problem with people going into their bubbles. I think that's fine. It's just I don't want my bubble to be all of one thing. I want it to be all of good people. Man, I'm deleting, blocking, muting. Like, it's my job. What are you kidding? Well, that's absolutely the, the, the mute button is the most fantastic thing that Twitter ever... Because I never block anyone because I don't want to give them the satisfaction of knowing that I blocked them. But they have no idea if I muted them. Here's what's so incredible about this. You and I both, you know, came up uh, in, in, in the new media world, mm-hmm. bloggers and, and building out radio shows. We've been at this for, for over a decade. Uh, and we saw when that new media world was coming up, oh, you know what? Uh, man, traditional media is dead. Newspapers are dead. TV is dead. And you know what? They aren't dead. They're very much alive. Different, changed, not as profitable, but they absolutely positively are not dead. That's not true. So as you take social media, and as you've described many times, you will see mainstream media. They'll do a news story. Because three people put out a tweet, and that will give them the excuse to, like, do a whole thing about about whatever topic they want to do, even though they've got no basis for it. They just found three guys with a Twitter account. Yeah, I mean, that's the, it used to be 15 years ago that the media would run a poll and create news from the results of the poll. Now they don't even have to do that. All they have to do is get on Twitter and uh, social media outrage today as so-and-so said this. It's 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 just lazy and it doesn't uh, create an env- a, a good environment. For but news I think and for politics. those people though, that's going to be what comes back. People are going to say, you know what? I can't I can't listen to social media anymore. I think that's the way it's going to go. I did want to get to this. Uh, there's a two million dollar reward offered for some international hackers. Now there's been a bunch of hacking lately. The Russians been accused of hacking. Uh, uh, COVID-19 research facilities, the Chinese, there are two hackers uh, that the Department of Justice like like pressing charges against. This uh, is a story that the Secret Service and the Department of State offering up to $2 million for information leading to arrests or, convention, or convictions, $1 million for each guy accused of hacking the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, in 2016. They're both Ukrainian nationals. Ukraine, man. You, you, you just cannot. Who knew? Who knew they caused this many problems? Ukraine, such a lovely people. Um, honestly, you never thought in your life you'd hear this much about Ukraine. I always there thought it would be no Latvia. Way. Yeah, Latvia. <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't that the way? Um, the, they hacked into the SEC system that companies use to make their filings publicly known. Uh, as electronic data gathering analyst, uh, analysis and retrieval system known as EDGAR. They took the test filings from public companies. And according to the SEC, what test filings do is they allow companies to begin to see how they will perform while raising capital. So I guess they were taking the information and trying to get an idea of where they should be uh, in investing. investing. Uh. And there's, there, there's actually a picture of them. Uh, wanted fugitives. The best is when you look at this dude, this top dude's picture... Tell me, tell me he doesn't look like he was once a body double for Wham. <laughs> I mean, just the, the, the slicked hair and the cut jaw. You know, he, was, he used to be an extra on the 
on the skit sprockets from Saturday Night Live. Right. I, we need, need to do some hacking, but before we do, let's go clubbing. <laughs> that, that is him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I guess it's a reminder that like this stuff is still happening. How how as a nation we haven't decided that cybersecurity is top priority blows my mind. At least top three. We haven't done it yet. We can't figure out how to get together on being like cybersecurity should be job number one. And you talk to people that are really techies and they laugh at how easy it is to hack into some of these systems. And that's what's really scary. My password, by the way. Password. What, Are you in government? <laughs> yeah. If you do that, you have to be. You have to be. We're drinking the Wild Turkey Revival, and uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, Fingers Malloy. And at $150 a bottle MSRP, maybe. This is special. Very, very special. Got more to get to. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars, uh, if you got them, smoke them, people. Light them up. This is the Arturo Fuente, a God of Fire by Carlito, the double Robusto Tubo. That's just too much to say. That's just too much to say what it is. It's a lot of cigar. And right now, on both of us, Fingers Malloy, burning a touch improperly. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. We have just lit up, lit up, lit up much better. Much better. Sorry, English teachers all around the globe. Now, this is um, the God of Fire is often considered a, a strong cigar. I think it depends on how many cigars uh, that, uh, that you smoke. This is the Cameroon wrapper. I am a sucker in a way that is irrational for the Cameroon. I think that the Rocky Patel Cameroon is one of the most underrated cigars in all of America. This is, for some a medium for some a full bodied uh, cigar and this um, this uh, Cameroon uh, wrapper is from uh, the the Dominican as described uh, by others here what's the flavor profile in this what are you going to get uh, out of this you're going to get some of those nice coffee notes that come you're going to have a touch of that spice that always seems to, for me to travel with a Dominican but what you're going to get I have always gotten out of a God of Fire is big if you want a good definition of what big is this is the cigar to give you that definition but it doesn't come from the size so this is a double robusto so this is five and three quarters by 52 what does that mean five and three quarters means five and three quarters inches long Tee-hee. Makes him laugh. And 52 is the ring gauge, how thick the cigar is around. Tee-hee. So 64, 64 is a full inch around. So this is a 52. This is a pretty good size of cigar. Basically as big as I like to go, maybe a 54. Um, however, I'm not interested in anything in the five-inch size. I know how I smoke, and I smoke faster than most people. And so, therefore, I like to be able to be in the six-inch size because it allows me to kind of keep up with everybody else, right? It is a bit of that social convention for me. But it won't be enough to get me to not try it. Uh, It is not a normal in my cigar humidor at about $20 to $22 a stick. And it's not because of all the flavor profiles that I like this doesn't bring me enough of any one of them to make it interesting to me. However, as a, des- as a way to describe big flavor, bigness of a cigar, 
I probably would point to people to the God of Fire first. This isn't for the faint of heart. Uh, this is not a cigar that you probably should have if you've never had a cigar before. Oh, I wouldn't start here. No. Uh, when I lit it, I uh, got the, the spice right away. Um, getting a, a little bit of, of the coffee notes, but the spice is really there. The, the pepper, um, it, it gets you right away. Like you said, I, first of all, um, no shortage of smoke coming off of this bad boy. No, not at all. Uh, it is burning a little unevenly at this point. I'm going to turn it around here, see if we can correct that. Yeah, if you find that you are burning on evening, first take your torch, take your lighter, and kind of touch it up. Also, don't forget that heat rises. You want to be spinning that cigar as you're smoking to get that burn all, all the way around. Because, admittedly, it totally messes with your day. It will mess a little bit with the flavor if you get that canoeing when it burns up the side uh, just one way. But it just it, it does. It's annoying, and you don't want to be annoyed when you're smoking when you're smoking a cigar. No, especially when you're paying a premium price for a cigar. And I've seen this stick, Tony, uh, right around $18. Is that what we're looking at? I find it normally in the 20-plus kind of range. That's where I'm used to seeing it. And for me, at $20 plus, and this is nothing against God of Fire, there are other things that I like more. Other things that would play more in, in, my, in, in my favor. So it's, it's one of those things where it's not about this being a bad cigar. Not no. in the slightest. I, I, would never, I would never turn one down. But I think people smoke the God of Fire because they like the idea of the big. It's a big, bold smoke. And I, I, I don't necessarily blame them for wanting a big, bold smoke. The, the, the question is, is that what you're looking for? Four. So compare compared to some of the other things that we've done on this show, go back through the whole history of Eat, Drink, Smoke, and you can find it at Apple Podcasts. You can write a review and leave a five-star review. Is this in your top five fingers? No. I don't think so. Uh, because, you know, again, we a lot of the times when we're doing reviews, we talk about value and uh, what you're spending on a stick. If I'm spending over $20 on a stick, um, I, I think I want something a little bit more than this. And I, again, I don't usually go for um, a medium to full. I like a medium. Uh, and, and, you know, we're still just, we just lit this thing. So Right. We still do have a ways to go here, right? You always break it up into thirds. First third, second third, final third. And be taking notes. If you're smoking the cigar, get yourself a notebook. That's your cigar notebook. And take notes. What did you eat that day? What's the weather that day? What did you feel like that day? Because that all has an effect yeah, but, on what you're smoking. But to me, I, and, and this is premature at this point maybe to say this, but when I hear $20, $25 a stick, I really need to be moved by what I'm smoking. And because we have, we have had so many experiences, good experiences, with cigars that have been in the $8 to $12 range. Uh, to me, if I'm spending... $20, $25 on a stick, and everyone's different. Some people may scoff and say, oh, geez, you're cheapskate fingers. But to me, if I'm spending $20, $25 a stick, I think I need a, a little bit more than what I'm right. getting. Um, I, so, even with the, the Cameroon wrapper, which normally would add a little sweetness to, to, to the play, you still are having a bold smoke. Now, I will say this. Sometimes it does fit and match the moment, right? But I think that there are some things within the Davidoff world. Uh, for example, uh, Davidoff Nicaragua. Um, I would I would pick if I'm being if I'm playing dollar for dollar over this. 
But it's never a cigar I would turn down. It's not a cigar right. like, oh, it's too much for me. No, there's nothing about it that's worth turning down. That's what makes it so weird. It falls into this place that you either love it or you're meh. And for me, on God of Fire, I am meh. It isn't that it's a bad cigar. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I think it goes back to... I think we're both saying the same thing. We're just coming from different points. Oh, agreed. Agreed, right? Because there's a couple ways to look at it. There's the actual cigar itself. Then there you have a perceived value of the cigar at the price point. Certainly at $20, there are other cigars that, that, I'm, that I'm looking to first. In terms of flavor profile, which is where I'm coming from it, uh, it's just not what I'm, I'm reaching first. I'm just not reaching there because... Boldness is not my first go-to. Right. That's all there is to it. Well, me. and I can I can already tell we aren't going to have any trouble keeping this lit. <laughs> I mean, it's clear that uh, that isn't going to be a problem, at least from what I'm seeing so far. But I am getting getting the canoeing that we talked about. You um, are. Look at that. Holy cow. Look at that. That See, and, that's, and that could be a couple of different things, how you're smoking. It could have been how it was wrapped. One of the things I've never experienced from, from anything God of Fire is a issue with its construction. It's always been uh, solid. So let's figure out what's happening. It happens to the best of us people. So this is the God of Fire. This is the Carlito right here. We're talking about a five and three quarter uh, by uh, 52. It's worth trying. It's worth expanding your horizons on, no doubt about it. I don't think I'd turn it down. I just don't think it's in my everyday humidor. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Now let me take a step back and talk about the whiskey, bacon, onion, chutney. Because I made this three different ways. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke, everybody. Tony Katz. Fingers Malloy, you find him on the Facebook, facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio. Find me, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. It's just that easy to do. So I, I found this recipe. Actually, I think you found this recipe, Fingers. I did? Uh, for, I think it was from southern.com uh, for whiskey, bacon, onion, chutney. Right? Think of it as a jam, if you will, Indian uh, by, by a design. I, I do love a good chutney. I find it delicious. And it, this is a fantastic pairing. Put it on a burger. Put it as a, as a side to, to a steak. Just a, a bit of an add-on if you don't want to be a, a purist. And so I made this three ways. I made this with turkey, turkey bacon. I made this with regular bacon. I have a kid who doesn't eat pork. Oh, okay. And it's not because we're Jewish. Just, okay. Just they're crazy about pigs. Fair enough. Uh, and, and so I made the turkey bacon one. And I made uh, uh, one with, with bacon. And then I, both, all of it has brown sugar in it. So me, I try to avoid sugar. I made it with something called Swerve, which is a sugar substitute. Only the one with brown sugar and regular bacon really got you the consistency you're going for um, about, about uh, this, this, this chutney. Right? So I just wanted to, to share that when you try this recipe, which you can find on our Facebook page, Eat, Drink, Smoke, Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, you can try it any way you want. I'm telling you, I've done it all three ways, and the original is the, 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 the best one. And I bring it up because there is a list of grilling state by state the most unique or, or the most searched recipes of things to grill, the search things to grill state by state. So we're in Indiana, and no surprise, it's pork chops. Right. Right? You, have, you haven't done on your grill yet, because you do with the whole charcoal feed and everything else. You haven't done pork chops. You've done pork butt. 
I've done pork chops. Oh, you have? Oh, yes. Uh, inch and a half thick pork chops. Again, I if, if anyone's been listening to the, the show recently, they know that I'm a big fan of the reverse sear. Fingers reverse sear Malloy. That's right. You put the... The, the pork chops on at 225 degrees. You let it cook until it gets to an internal temperature of where you want it to be. Uh, you pull them off. You crank that grill up to 600 degrees. You give it a good sear for 90 seconds on both sides, and it, it turns out perfect. So, yeah, I've done the pork chop on the grill. Now, you know the show is on in, in, a, in a great uh, number of places, and I'm thrilled about that. We're on in Missouri, of course. And in Missouri, corn on the cob. Now, I will admit, I love corn on the cob. I love grilled corn on the cob. I think it's just fantastic. Love the daylights out of it. Um, now, do you you, wrap need, it? you need to look that up? Uh, well, I mean, I, listen, I've had discussions with people where there's heated debate over how you cook corn on the cob on the grill. Some people will wrap it in tinfoil. And put them right on the coals if you got a charcoal grill. Others, you know, they'll leave it in the husk. And then others will, will clean the, the, the corn on the cob and just throw it on the grill. So I can see where people, you know, are, are going to uh, the internets to find the best way to cook corn on the crop, cob on the grill. I just, I, I assume that you're just going to butter it, salt it, and, and, and grill it. The, I, I didn't think that there would be that much work in trying to and trying to figure that one out, I, I found it interesting that that's something that, that you would uh, search for. You're a Michigan guy. What do you think they're searching for in Michigan, Fingers Malloy? Uh, well, it's got to be some sort of meat. Uh, you know, the thing is, in, in Michigan, walleye is really big. So you, I could see grilled fish, uh, but uh, it's, it, what is it? Brats. Uh, brats. Okay. Yep. It's absolutely. brats. Again, I don't know why you're searching for it. I will admit, though. I thought that was a Wisconsin thing more than a Michigan thing. I do love... Because there's a difference between a hot dog and a brat. And a brat, when done right, is just absolutely, positively well, how glorious. Do you, how do you cook your brats? I grill them and then eat them. Oh. That's... Why? What, what am I supposed to do? See, it's not, I am totally food adventurous. <laughs> but when it comes to the grilling, I have zero patience at all. Oh. I put them in a pan with onions uh, and peppers and then let them cook in that. And then when I want to get the snap, you know, you want to make the, the, the skin crisp, you, you put it on the grill. Wait, uh, wait. But, or sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll cook them in beer on the grill. So you do it in indirect. Yes. Yes. And then a throw pan. it on to finish and, it off. And sometimes I'll put it in beer and then finish it off that way. And you do corn. Do you do corn in the husk going back to that? No. No. I clean it. Oh, you See, I would do too. Yeah. I do too. I, I don't, I don't to leave it. In the husk. The people of Missouri got to tell us, KSGF, where we're heard on 1041 KSGF, you guys got to tell us how you're going to do it. And I'm surprised at how many places corn on the cob is the thing being searched, whether it's Missouri, whether it's Minnesota. How about is also Iowa? Corn on the cob? I didn't see Iowa on the list. Uh, Iowa. Asparagus. Would you expect that from Iowa? I would expect more of the pork <laughs> from Iowa. But I brought, we brought up asparagus the other day, and everyone's like, oh, oh, the only way to do it. Yeah, the only way to do it is grilled uh, uh, asparagus. Um, it's really an underrated side too. It is so good with a steak. Yeah, it really. No, is. I don't. I don't disagree. Alaska pineapple. I don't. 
See, this is the kind of stuff that loses me. In Hawaii, it's eggplant. See, they're just screwing with you. <laughs> that Hawaii isn't doing the pineapple. Is, well, I guess maybe they know how to do it. And Louisiana is corn, but with the husk on. That's but you talk about the people who do fish. Maryland, it's tuna steaks. Massachusetts, it's swordfish. In New Mexico, it's chicken thighs. Are you a big chicken thigh guy? I am. When done right... It is a dream. It's an absolute dream. When done wrong, it's just got this rubbery. It, the texture is just improper, and it, it makes me sick to my stomach. So chicken thighs are a very 50-50 proposition for me. For me, so many people just don't know how to cook chicken. The The... The paranoia about chicken, uh, you know, so many people overcook their chicken. Right. And especially bone-in chicken, uh, that, that could be a problem. So, well, what are they supposed to do? I mean, when you say overcook, what I mean, you- get the internal temperature way, way too uh, high, and then the, the chicken is dried out. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not juicy. Right. Uh, chicken, okay. breast same, chicken breast is the same way. You know, people cook it to, oh, you know, oh, I, I got to have it on. I got to make sure it's cooked. And then they look, and it's 210 degrees, and it's just dry and uh so I could see where people will, will look it up to say, okay, well, how long should I cook my chicken? But so I always think that it's about what you do to the chicken. Now, I know there are people who will grill, and they think that, that grilling is adding barbecue sauce to the chicken, and that's it. I, I never find that to be good. I always find that to be very surface and getting in. Then again, I will tell you that what I'm desperate to find are solid marinade recipes that actually work. I need a marinade that gives me flavor throughout but doesn't so tenderize the meat that it's just this mush at the end. That's my constant problem. I try. I play around with it. I can't find it yet. I'm in debt. If I was going to search anything, it's searching for marinades that can give me the the, the, the properties of flavor without destroying molecular stability. Or a good rub. A, a, right? a good rub on chicken Same is fantastic. Uh, you know, like a lemon garlic rub, uh, sprinkle it on there, get it really good to where it's going to stay. And depending on how you cook it, reverse sear. It's the way to go, Tony. <laughs> you won't lose all that seasoning. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your bourbon, cigar, food, radio show. You know you love it. I appreciate you being here. So does Fingers Malloy. Me, I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. We are reviewing the God of Fire, the Carlito, the Double Robusto uh, cigar. This is a big, bold smoke into the second third of this thing. Just a big, bold smoke. Don't get me wrong. Enjoyable. But at an average price point of $20 a cigar, not so sure it is a standard in my humidor. Not that it's a bad cigar. It's just that it's a big cigar. That Cameroon wrapper, I do love. But for me, that Cameroon flavor, a bit lost with the boldness of the cigar. Drinking the Wild Turkey Revival at 101 proof. This I enjoy very, very much. I'm a fan. It will get finished and by me. $150 a bottle. This is a high dollar yeah. pairing today. This is, this, this is a big money pairing uh, <laughs> as it goes. Let us get to the news of the week, Fingers Malloy. That just made my day. See what I did there? You're going to see in a minute. Okay. Just made my day. 
All right, so that's that. Clint Eastwood oh. is in the news, Tony. Look at you. Yeah, see what I did there? Look at you. You're just like a little movie savant. Well, he is going after some CBD retailers. Uh, he wants them to keep his name out of their mouth, and now he's suing. According to TMZ, Dirty Harry filed a pair of lawsuits Wednesday against CBD retailers who he says are using his good name to hawk their cannabis products online and to trick customers. CBD, the cannabidiol oil, yes. right? The, the, the extraction, if you will. Uh, and wait, how, how? why is he suing anybody? What are, how are they, they using are, his name? They are falsely claiming that he is endorsing their products. Oh, so they didn't name it after him. No. They're saying, as used by Clint Eastwood, yes. Clint says, this CBD oil is the bomb diggity. <laughs> I mean, what, what are they saying he's using it Clint for? Clint says he's been being defamed by the lies out there about him using CBD products and says the companies have no right to use his likeness to hawk their products. They're using his likeness. They're saying, hey, uh, uh, CBD oil, that's how I roll. If, if, I, if I have a CBD company with enough deep pockets, I'm going to him to be a sponsor right now. Hey, how can we make this right? How much of a check, Clint? Right. We, we want you. We want to sell Dirty Harry CBD. Let us know <laughs> how, how we do this, right? Right, million dollar baby CDD or whatever the movie was. Uh, oh, oh, you should be going for him to be a sponsor or or to be your your, your pitch guy. Yeah, the ads would be amazing if Clint was doing. I would do a well, Clint impression, but I don't do it. Well, right. that's what they thought, and that's why they used his likeness. Uh, yeah, but, but they, really, they go they get him. He's <laughs> right to sue, but just just go get him and bring him in. Clint couldn't use the scratch. Everyone could use a little bit of extra Even something. At, my, my gosh, how old is he at this point? He's got to be Clint 81. Clint Eastwood? He, in his 80s, for sure. Sure. Wait. No, no, no. I take that back. He's 90. Clint Eastwood is 90. Wait, look it up. Stop. Hold on, everybody. We, we have to do uh, some research. So we go to the Fingers Malloy the Institute of Institutes that's right. for our research. We, we pay people dozens of dollars a year to work there. Uh, the 90-year-old is hip to the metadata, according to TMZ. So Clint that's how- is 90. And you know the reason? CBD oil. That's right. <laughs> and I Great. think this is all just a ruse to get the other people out oh, you just got- so he can come out with his own brand. You just got Eat, Drink, Smoke involved in a lawsuit. I only hope. <laughs> I only hope it'd be huge, huge, huge for the brand. Next. Have you heard of uh, Cuomo chips? I, I honestly am not interested in anything Cuomo. Oh, not even uh, the chips? Uh, well, um, what about Cuomo corn? Have you ever had Cuomo corn? <laughs> I made that up. But for people who don't know what Cuomo <laughs> chips are, uh, you know, there have been all these executive orders by governors uh, around the country and... Uh, there was uh, uh, an executive order that said that bars uh, and restaurants uh, serving alcohol had to provide food first for right, the patrons. because that's science, yes. right? You couldn't just be a bar and be open in New York. You had to serve food because when you serve food, coronavirus doesn't come near you. <laughs> that's right. So the free market does what the free market does. So some uh, very creative bar owners came up with Cuomo chips. It was basically, oh, you need a beer? How about some potato chips first or some chips and some cheese? Well, the New York State Liquor Authority updated its guide, uh, guidance late Wednesday to provide more clarity on Cuomo's order, which prevents bars and restaurants from serving alcoholic beverages to patrons. Who don't order food first. The order issued last week is meant to keep patrons, you know, in their seats and not congregating in groups. Um, apparently, bars and restaurants now must sell sandwiches, soups, or other foods, whether fresh, processed, 
pre-cooked or frozen. If I'm serving the soup, can I still serve it in the can and cold <laughs> and not open? Can I just give you a can of Cuomo soup, right? And an old school can opener, like it's 1936, and you're going on a camping trip. Listen, how old is or how much does a, a generic can of cream of broccoli cost or chicken noodle. You just open it up. Nobody's going to eat it. Go, okay, right. here's your soup. Uh, what would you like to drink? This is this is where people lose their minds because they know that they're being lied to. By the way, the, some of these bars not only had the Cuomo chips, they would sell you, they would have a charcuterie, right? So you're talking about sliced meats. <laughs> One slice of meat. It was a dollar. <laughs> and you could substitute it because they didn't say what kind of meat. You could substitute it for a slice of cheese. <laughs> That's what they were so joyous and fantastic. I love people who push back on the insanity. Coronavirus is not insane. What, we, what people are doing, what, what government officials are doing to try and keep you safe, that's what's insane. And it's always taken out on the same people. The bars and the restaurants, yeah. the, the, the hospitality world. The, that, that's the constant, constant constant abuse uh, you know I was, I was saying this earlier when they shut down the consultants when when the entire political body of New York doesn't get a paycheck for three weeks so they, the money can go to these hospitality workers who they continue to abuse all across the country maybe maybe I'll be okay with it but they always have the same people who get uh, get attacked uh, they always have the same people who have to suffer and they have to do it for our well-being I believe in our well-being. I don't believe in shutting things down for our well-being. And a cheese sandwich does not keep coronavirus <laughs> away. It's not science. Well, and I think that we have been very clear that we believe that everyone should take the coronavirus seriously. It's just about government overreach. And the reason, one of the reasons why we should take it seriously is highlighted in the next story I'm going to... But I, I want to be clear. It, the government overreach thing is, is certainly does exist in places. This isn't about government overreach. This is about government posturing. This isn't science to say you can only serve food or you only serve right. certain kinds of food. Yeah. This is about trying to look good as opposed to doing good. And I, th that whole thing falls into a category of do-goodery, and I am vehemently opposed to do-goodery. That was my point. Next. A grapevine Texas man who fought COVID-19 in the hospital for 114 days stopped to vote on his way home Tuesday and celebrated afterward by doing a shot of bourbon. That's my hero. Bill Zestry, and I hope I pronounce his you name didn't. right. Bill Zendry? Zendry. I'm going for Zendry. Zendry. S-Z-E-N-D-R-E-Y. 64 years young, was admitted to Baylor Scott and White Medical Center in Grapevine on March 22nd when he tested positive for the coronavirus. And 114 days, Tony. Went to vote and then did a shot of bourbon. That's that. He went to vote and did a shot of yes, bourbon? Yes. He left the hospital, oh. stopped to vote on his way home. Tell and me, then. Tell went. me this guy's running for office. I will move to Texas <laughs> and vote for him. I mean, that's, that is so great. Like, that's the, that's the whole damn point of bourbon and of spirits and of cigars. It is the universal symbol for relaxation and freedom and success and, and, and achievement. It just, it transcends everything. You see this guy, and he's sitting on, on his couch, and he's got his Texas Rangers hat, and <laughs> I, I don't know if he's got a back brace on. He was walking with, with crutches, and there he is. He's still got a cast on his, on his left arm, but on his right, big smile on his face. 
he's got the glass in the rocks glass, by the way, yeah. of bourbon. That's that's everything. And God bless him. He's going to have a long road. Anybody who's had family members who have been on ventilators, who have been hospitalized for a, a period of time like that, they have to go through a lot of physical therapy to get back to their new normal. So good for him. Glad to see him back at home. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great story. And I just... It, it, no one knows this guy's politics. No one knows this guy's history. It is the bourbon. The bourbon <laughs> signifies joy. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. The good news is the cigar factories are remaining open. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke. Now, this is a big deal because cigars are all about trade and trade with third world countries Honduras, Nicaragua, the Dominican the the people that are employed, it's really a remarkable bit of trade so in Honduras they were afraid that coronavirus was going to shut some things down, it was going to shut down the factories again and admittedly people were freaked because you had such a backlog of, uh, of cigars that you weren't able to get made because of the shutdown, then you add to it all the people who have now come to cigars and have been smoking cigars in a weird kind of twist. Cigar smoking is up because of coronavirus. The spending is up over a billion dollars and people have been introduced to it because they have time and they're like, hmm, I got to stay home anyway. All right, I'll order these things and I'll, and I'll try it. And they've been enjoying premium cigars. and It's been fantastic. Well, the thought was, was that things had to shut down again in Honduras. And now, according to the U.S. Embassy and the website there in Honduras, um, you have things that you you find out that first they thought they were going to shut down and now you realize that they're not everyone's going to keep working big for the cigar industry really huge on a trade conversation especially uh, for for these countries that this is this is beyond livelihood not just for people but for entire regions i mean we talked to people last week at the trade show uh the cigar trade show that we attended and i know we're going to Oh, we're going to get into all of it. Have no fear. Yeah, but uh, the, you know, the people that we were talking to, they're, they're very concerned about how this is going to affect the industry and how it is going to have an impact on supply in the short term. Right. So you, the, the big factory down there is Honduran American Tobacco, Tobacco SA. So it's known as the Hotza factory. In a conversation we had just last week, you had guys from Rocky Patel thinking this factory was going to close. It was going to be a, a, a problem. Not going to be a problem. General Cigars, Hotza Factory will remain open. That's great. So it means for your local cigar lounge, they should still be able to, at least for a while, be able to get uh, the cigars that they need. Not every manufacturer, you know, is, is, is processing there, but it's going to help a lot of people. White Castle, because that's exactly the transition we all needed. Speaking of helping people. Uh, no, this, this this tells the fight for 15 people, you have the wrong fight. Yeah. So fight for 15 is about uh, a minimum wage. We need a $15 an hour minimum wage. Now, if, if I'm asked, if you want to take go down this road with me, um, the idea of a $15 an hour minimum wage uh, is, is nonsense, right? Because people will call it a living wage. There's no such thing. I, I will get into the economic muck with anyone, there's no such thing as a living wage. It's a myth. It's it's the chupacabra. It's not. <laughs> it's 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 not real in any way, shape, or form. At White Castle, they now have Flippy, and Flippy is their new robot chef. Best part about the story: they think chefs work at White Castle. <laughs> 
that was the thing that took me. I read that headline. The headline's like, meet White Castle's new robot chef, Flippy. And I said, chef? Not robot. Not Flippy. Chef. You have to have a lot of guts if you put on your resume that you worked at White Castle as a chef. I would hire you if you told me you worked at White Castle as a chef. Have you ever done Valentine's Day at White Castle? I'm sorry? Oh, my gosh. This is a thing. This is a thing? This, this is such a big thing that they take reservations. Oh, stop they it. They convert the whole place. They put up the decorations everywhere. And for one day only, it is table service. They have servers. And people come and have Valentine's Day at White Castle. It's amazing. They are booked two months in advance. They are full from the moment they open to the moment they close. And which is weird because White Castle doesn't really close when they close the dining room, really. It's, it's astounding and amazing how this works. People do it all the time. I actually think it's adorable. There is so, why? Do you, you have to spend $300 on dinner to prove your love? Three bucks, 9,000 burgers, you get to take some home to the kids. It's happy, a dream. Happy Valentine's Day, dear. Hope you like an upset stomach. <laughs> it's happy Valentine's Day. Here's your sack. <laughs> that. Nothing says Valentine's Day quite like a sack. They have this, <laughs> they have this, this robot called Flippy. It has cooked more than 40,000 pounds of fried food. It's done 9,000 sandwiches at Dodger Stadium and at Arizona Diamondbacks at Chase Field. And uh, they're going to start implementing this thing. The fight for 15 people, it's over. Well, we were already seeing this before all the coronavirus craziness where they were replacing right. people where you're going to take your order to uh, the kiosks. And now you may see some pullback on that because you know, keeping the kiosk clean, you know, there's a whole thing. And you're already seeing the self-serve beverage stations you going away. You think coronavirus affects the automation side of things? It, it, the whole thing, it, it's just so bizarre, the thinking, you know, for, for, for some people. Some people don't want to touch a kiosk, don't want to be around a kiosk. Other people... Uh, would welcome the kiosk because they don't have to be within In front six of feet person. of a person. So it, I, I don't know what, how you can be a business uh, owner right? right now. But uh, you know, Flippy, where's the love, Tony? In the what? Birth, in the food? Where's the? There's, there's, it's it's a sterile experience. If a robot is flipping your burgers, the Flippy costs thirty thousand dollars up front, Woo. and fifteen thousand dollars a year. So, therefore, these businesses did themselves some quick calculations and figured the economics and said, oh, yeah, oh, this is way, way cheaper, if only because I don't have to pay workman's comp. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about scheduling again. No one's not going to show up on that Saturday night shift. This is perfect. Automation certainly is here. That, that goes without saying. I just learned that uh, Elon Musk and Cybertruck, they're going to build in Texas. The Cybertruck is going to build in Texas. Now, that's about not about automation, but it is Elon looking with Tesla to do more self-driving vehicles. The big one is going to be self-driving big rigs, right? No matter what happens, trucking still matters because the product has to get from point A to point B, and the only way that happens is by truck. I'm freaked out by, by, by yeah. self-driving cars. Self-driving big rigs drive me crazy. But everyone who knows is like, it's coming and you can't avoid it. Start investing now. I'm going to start. I'm going to keep avoiding it as long as possible. You're, you're hearing about companies like Lyft and Uber 
where they will have vehicles drive right up without a driver eventually. That's the goal. Or cars that will be built without a steering wheel. Man, I'm not there yet. If, if you've got a, an autopilot where you can sit in the car with the steering wheel and take over if something happens, I mean, just can, we just talked about a story a couple weeks ago about Apple throttling down the phone. <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to trust all this technology in these cars? It, it's it's to me, it's frightening, especially the big rigs. Yeah, it, it freaks me out. Everyone to a T is like, it's coming. Just invest. I look at that. I'm like, don't ever listen to me about investing. <laughs> I don't know nothing. But I look at, at automated technologies. I look at drone technologies. And the one that I'm looking at ever more closely is warehouse space. Warehouse space and logistics. Mm-hmm. Because coronavirus proves we're going to online world even more than ever before. And people who weren't big in being able to provide online services to be able to deliver their products now have no choice. They got to look at that. So where do these products get kept? How do they get from point A to point B? That's why I look at drone technology. This is where my mind is. Well, especially when it comes to the trucking industry, it's a different conversation. It's not people that will just call off and say, I quit 30 minutes before my shift at White Castle. There's a real struggle to find truck drivers in this country. There's a huge shortage of, of truck drivers. So this is an example where technology is going to meet And when you talk about that, you know what people tell you? Why are you pushing truck driving? It's, it's going to be an obsolete business. It's going to be an obsolete business possibly in two decades. What do I do about today? Right. It's like Delta. Delta has 2,200 pilots who all said, listen, if you're giving early retirement, I'm in. Well, who's going to fly the damn plane? <laughs> Wait till we get to automated planes. It's fine if you want it for your military service and have nothing but drone warfare. I could see that with an, with an Air Force. For my flight to, to go see my Mima, <laughs> I'm staying home. I, got, I can't do that. Listen, you want to drink it, it's the Wild Turkey Revival. You want to smoke it, it is the God of Fire Carlito Double Robusto Tubo. And you want to know anything else, it's on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.